Seishura. I'm Jim Jam. I'm Scoop Magoot. And uh, we've got a ton of stuff today. Uh, we've got another review extravaganza, as I like to call them. But um, first, we've got some pretty cool news uh, that, you know, Sun, Doom Drone Metal Pioneers Sun, uh, finally announced a new album and well, two albums, right? Um, both to come out this year. Uh, which I, I have you listened to the preview of it, Scott? I I did, but I feel like listening to a clip of a Sun song just doesn't. Uh, yeah, like it, it's a little bit. But I I liked what I heard. I liked the fact that they. I think we've talked about this before. That while I did enjoy, I enjoyed what Canon was, and I really did like the music on it. Um, it's I I think based on what they were going for on Monolith and Dimensions. Um, I, that wasn't exactly the next move that I wanted them to make or was expecting them to make. Um, so I really am more heartened by the fact that this sounds much more in line with what they you know traditionally have done, but also some of the ancillary facts about it. The fact Steve Albini is uh, producing it. Yes. I think some of, some of the uh, other instrumentation that they said will be on the album uh, has me... Uh, really, really excited to hear, you know, are they going to go back to their own sound but still do something a little different? Um, yeah, because, again, as much as I loved Canon, I really missed that core sun sound, and I, I was hoping that that wasn't an indication that they're going to, you know, go in uh, almost a lighter route. Um, so I'm glad that they're kind of going back to that dark, heavy drone. Yeah, but, but then, so, basically, the album's called Life Metal coming out uh sometime this year <laughs> I think March or April <laughs> yeah um and but then there's also going to be a companion piece called uh pyroclasts which is supposed to be quote unquote more meditative um so maybe that'll be like canon part two so who knows um, I feel like that'd be a good way to do it you know if they do want to continue doing both styles to kind of have almost do something similar to what wolves in the throne room did. Where they were really, they were really getting into that, like you know, dungeon synth, like the that kind of style. So they released an album solely of that, and it's supposed to be was like a companion piece to their most recent black metal album, I think. Yeah. Or the what the at the time. Um, yeah. What well, um, I can't even remember what the album's called now. The the instrumental one, but I, I think Celestite. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was, it was, I, so, I actually really like that. So. Yeah, and it's supposed to um, accompany you know company. Um, Celestial Lineage. I, oh, it was? I always yeah. thought it was just sort of like a standalone type of thing. Uh, I never did it, but supposedly if if you played a Celestite along with it, it kind of cushioned it a little bit. I don't huh. I, I don't know how... So, so sort of like, um, oh, Neurosis is uh, through Silver and Blood. Or no, no, I, maybe I'm thinking of Times of Grace, I think, that has um, like a sort of like a companion disc with it. Or... Probably an even better example of Rosetta's Galilean satellites. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's sort of what they call it, quadraphonic. But at, anyway, I I don't know if this is supposed to be that like a companion. Like I think this is more like a th- maybe like a thematic companion piece yeah. because they aren't they aren't saying like oh like you can play both these at the same time. I mean you you, you can, but um, <laughs> I don't know if you get anything out of it. Yeah, yeah, I. So, yeah, I just I, I look I, I just looked it up in Life Metal. It's out in April, and then Pyroclasts is out in autumn. 
So okay. we don't really have a specific release date, but that's kind of what we're dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the album artwork looks interesting. It um, does. I like it. Yeah. I. But my the only thing that sort of throws me for a loop is that that this little quote from them that says uh, that this album collides the ideas of 19th century romanticism and late 20th abstract expressionism. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. like I, I know I know what they're saying, but it's just like, it's it's that type of theoretical pseudo-description that I, I, I just never know what exactly to say about. <laughs> and also, uh, what I would say is, I, I, am, I really do enjoy Sun. I like what they do, but I don't think what they do is particularly deep in that way um well to to, to, i think maybe to you i think maybe to them it's oh i'm sure to them it's more deep yeah yeah but uh i don't know for for what it is that that kind of description just kind of uh, oh yeah i I feel like if someone told told me that you know if they told me their philosophy after listening to one of their albums i'd be like uh okay Right, yeah cool. see like I, I i really like i mean i this, this should be old news because this is something that always that always gets my goat but like yeah i i'm just not a fan of like these these really dense like you know i, I mean really it's it's kind of it, it's kind of just pseudo philosophy in a bit in a way and it's just like i i don't know why it keeps happening like maybe there's like this need to feel deep mm. about your stuff but i mean like I don't know. Like it's almost like you I, you can't just release music anymore. Yeah, exactly. That's what it feels like. Um, it feels like it needs you need like a like a pamphlet, like a manifesto with it. <laughs> um, you know, who is who is the band? Oh, um, Liturgy. <laughs> like I feel like oh, they, God. they were maybe the start of that. <laughs> oh, they. I mean, I think they kind of. Yeah. Well, at least in terms of people. Because I'm sure bands like Sun and whatnot have always kind of had their own ideas about what their music means. But yeah, Liturgy yeah. was one of the first bands to gain, like, uh, I think Hunter Hendricks. I forget what his name was, like his, his full name. But basically, yeah, he he just kind of um, released this actual, like, long essay yeah. on black metal. Um, apparently, he didn't want to spend that time writing good music, but, you know, that's besides the fact. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, hashtag. Shot, uh, shots fired. Yeah. No, I mean, I, it's we were getting off, but but yeah, like I, yeah. I always I always thought it was interesting how a lot of times when bands do like or like artists put so much time and, and effort into explaining their music, I often find that the music doesn't really follow suit. Like I remember, like I love Brian Eno, but his yeah. most recent album, the one about the ship or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the, the explanation for that, I actually used that in an essay talking about uh, how how like the meaning in art has sort of become cancerous almost. Yeah, like, but it, it was a shame because that actually, that album itself was just, it was not one of his best works. It was just kind of okay. Yeah. Um, I, I and, couldn't even get through it, frankly. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was fine, but it's just like, I, it's funny how we spent so much time, you know, that, that relatively long essay about what his music meant, and it's just a little, like, this is not very good. <laughs> well, I, you know, so I... I think it's partially because, um, you know, like all art, all modes of art are like a language, but the language that we use right now and sort of letters are, you know, have more of a utilitarian purpose Mm. um, as opposed to these other ones. So I think, 
I think maybe some people are are finding the need to sort of bridge that gap when I, I find that the gap itself is what makes it all worth it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I, I'm you know I don't think I've ever listened to like a Sun album in full except for um, that Scott Walker collaboration and that Sun uh, that yeah Sun uh, the Over collaboration. Uh huh. They did. Um, yeah, I. I don't think I've really ever listened to like a full album from them besides those two. Um, so I, I'm psyched to sort of get into this one. Um, I'm, I'm hoping it, it the bass won't be painful, but I mean, it's a Sun album, so um, good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, that's why I would never go see them live, just because I've, I've yeah. heard it's, it's pretty pretty overbearing, to say the least. Um, yeah, and, and I, mean, I'm, I, I mean, I'm admittedly a wuss when it comes to loud noises, so... <laughs> All right, I, I think we've, we've we've beaten this we've been this horse pretty dead right now. Um, <laughs> nonetheless, we'll be reviewing this uh, when it comes out in April, and probably the one that comes out in what, August. You said, yeah, if not just to so, talk about. I mean, again, we don't really know yeah. what, what the substance of it is going to be, but I think it'd be cool to talk about it. Yeah, exactly. So uh, let's go into some reviews. We've been uh, we we came into this week doing saying we were going to do two, and then. Um, I texted Scott on Thursday, I think, and I'm like, we, we never talked about the Aesop Rock and Tobacco collaboration. And he's like, oh, well, we're fucking doing that then. Yeah, so, <laughs> let's do it. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it, this is a couple weeks old now. Um, you know, it, it's people have already talked about this a little bit. It's gotten some minor buzz. Uh, but uh, Aesop Rock and Tobacco have an album out called Malibu Ken. Uh, the album cover is atrociously amazing. Um, yeah, I'm looking at it right now, and it's just like, I, it's it's sort of like the Mona Lisa that like it sort of sucks you into it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's kind of funny how you know my enjoyment of the music um, is like in stark contrast to how disgusting the cover is. Yeah, um, it's like yeah, it's really bad. <laughs> yeah, so you know we, we've talked about this collaboration a little bit before when the uh, when it was announced, we talked about the lead single uh, Acid King. Uh, which I, I, I think we, we were both positive about. Um, but I had a little... I, I had this niggling feeling that, like, you know, the entire... Like, this felt that it would be, like, more of, like, an Aesop album than, like, a real collaboration. That, like, it felt like, you know, for what we know from Tobacco, that, like, what people know Tobacco's music, you know, what they know about his music, that I was sort of expecting a little more from that single... But then uh, a couple weeks later, they had a follow-up single called "Corn Maze," which is actually the lead, um, the title or the title track. God, I'm not here today, Scott. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Um, no, the the opening track is called "Corn Maze," which is their second uh, single, which I really liked. And um, you know, listening to this, I, I actually have to sort of take back what I said to a certain extent. I, I really enjoyed this. I thought yeah. this was a lot of fun. You know, Aesop always brings his game, no matter what he does. And, uh, you know, I don't think Tobacco's presence is nearly as prominent as it could be. But nonetheless, what he brings to the table is really fun. And I think the best part is that, like, this doesn't feel it doesn't feel overbearing. Like, this is a pretty good... It's a pretty good runtime. Like, yeah. you know, it's a healthy time that, like... You, you really get an idea for what's going on, you know, but it doesn't beat you over the head with it. And uh, 
yeah, so I, I just want to turn it over to you first before uh, I bring up some some other critics' thoughts on this. Yeah, that, that was something um, I felt like this maybe to an extent had the possibility to be um, kind of like Atrocity Exhibition um, mm. where the production was... I mean, I had no, no qualms that you know, Aesop would be able to... Um, be able to ride some more, you know, experimental production. Um, but I, I don't feel that this was, kind of to your point, that overbearing. I mean, you had some... It basically sounded like a really messed up kind of 80s electronic album, kind of updated for... Or I guess uh, a modern production looking back at the style of the 80s. Um, you know, a lot of the synth tones, a lot of the effects um, really felt kind of retro. Uh, I really, really liked... Um, I mean, I assume that's tobacco. the The vocals that pop up, yeah, that's, yeah. that's tobacco using like vocoder. Yeah, and I really, I really liked um, the he. F- it did feel like it wasn't just like producer rapper. Like I felt like tobacco was truly collaborating on this. Like, yeah, I felt you know, like I yeah I, I noticed that to start to interrupt, but like in in between, like I I think the third time I listened to this thing, or third or fourth. Um, it was, you know, like, I actually started noticing that, that, like, it didn't feel like it was just, like, loop upon loop upon loop. Like, it felt like tobacco was really, like, organically adding something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, which is cool, because a lot of times when you have these big, um, like, I remember a while back, I think it was called, like, Lord Steppington. It was uh, Alchemist and someone else. It was, it was like, a well-known uh, producer and a rapper, and it literally just felt like, you know, here's some beats, here's some rhymes. And that yeah. happens a lot with, with these kind of collaborations is basically um, it doesn't become something like a mad villainy. And I don't mean like in quality wise, I mean that um, mad villain, I mean, uh, Mad Lib really felt like, you know, felt like he contributed to that album. You know, in some ways yeah. he rapped, he really brought a lot of personality with the beats. Um, and I feel like a lot of modern hip hop collaborations, it really is just, you know, producer, rapper, and there's a big divide. But this, I love what they both brought to the table. Um, I liked that he struck a balance because I feel like Atroxy, Atrocity Exhibition worked because Danny Brown is such an insane personality. And a yeah. lot of the, you know, that it, not to say that Aesop wouldn't be able to do that, but I liked that you got kind of the zaniness, you got some really weird off-kilter beats, but they still were contained. Like they still felt like... Because um, I feel like... I feel like Aesop is definitely more of like a, like a rapper rapper. Like he, you know, Danny, yeah. Brown, Danny Brown's kind of more of a personality. Um, and he obviously he raps too, but he can kind of like bend his will like that. But Aesop, he just has this really dense uh, lyrical approach, which is amazing. And one of the best things about any Aesop album, particularly this album, is the more times you listen to it, the more, you know, funny, clever lines, more interesting lines, more... Oh yeah, um, definitely. Cool. And the best part about Aesop is even... Um, it's 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 always hard for me to remember specifics, especially you know with Aesop since he's so um, lyrical, abstract. But yeah. yeah, but there's times where he's not even he's not even necessarily making like a reference or an illusion, or he's not really like you know doing some wordplay or anything. Just the way that he positions the narrative he's telling and like yeah. the words he uses, like where like it's there's no deeper, or at least it doesn't seem like there's any deeper meaning. But just the way he positions things is so. You know, it's so creative. I I get that. Like, on Acid King is actually about a, uh, like, a series of murders that happened, I think, like, back in, like, the 80s. 
Um, and like the the way he presents some of the information is very interesting. Which is something I've always liked about Aesop is that you know he always he has that way of of you know I, I think he sort of gets to the spirit of what he's saying rather mm-hmm. than just saying it. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and but but then sometimes he's very like you know opaque with what he's saying. Like like I think it's Tuesday that he talks about like. Um, have a, that his neighbor found like a mushroom growing in his car or something yes because <laughs> it was, was just actually, like that disgusting <laughs> yeah i mean i was actually gonna bring that up because i think tuesday was um it was what i think what the second or third song the, of the second album? track yeah and that had like that that great lyrical delivery but also just felt like a um like a subtly catchy song um like yeah. I, I really liked how a lot of these songs had you know hooks on them uh nothing crazy like nothing like you know like any big pop courses or anything like that but just no. they, they had nice you know catchy hooks and um, it, was, it was magnetic um, yeah absolutely definitely i so here's the weird thing though is looking at some of the reviews for this thing people are like oh well like tobacco doesn't really seem to bring it all that much or like like um i i remember watching anthony fantano's review and he and he was like he was saying that um sort of basically like they want like the run times a little short and then two um it felt like that this was more of an aesop album than a tobacco album and that like you know people are like oh well tobacco can do all this crazy experimental stuff and like why is he doing this here and it's like i i I get that and i think that that's true to a certain extent but i i think they're sort of missing out on what's going on here like because you know Nothing here is like out of you know out of this world experimental, mm-hmm. but there's sort of like this is like when you describe this as like like '80s retro, like I sort of agree with that, but like I think there's more to it than that. Like the, like there's this, like this psychedelic edge to it. Oh, absolutely, yeah. That that just really just sort of like throws a wrench in like any like easy description of it mm-hmm. <laughs> in a way, and I think you know if people paid more attention to those i think they would find that this is you know I, I this is much more rewarding possibly than people would think but i mean i can i can totally understand because i think you know I, i'm not a huge like i tobacco fan like not not because i don't like his music but i just haven't really listened to any of his solo work yeah, um, i think really the only black moth super rainbow album that i've really listened to is uh dandy line gum i think and um uh, like I, I like that it was fun um so, like, I, I can't really say that, like, oh, this is the extent of what tobacco could do. But I think this is, like, I feel like this is a good, like, meeting of minds. Like, like you said, it's, you know, I, I feel like they're sort of, you know, I mean, it's it's a true collaboration mm-hmm. in a way. As opposed to, um, you know, either, you know, tobacco just sending all these beats over to Aesop and him kind of working with it or vice versa. You know, they, they, there's there's actually like a meet, like you know, they, they, there's actual collaboration here, uh, and you know, e- even though I feel like Aesop sort of takes the show uh, to a certain extent, I, I still stand by that collaboration comment. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I I really like this. I really can't wait to listen to this more because I I really like just how I mean how short it is actually, which is such a God, such a cheap thing to say. 
in a way, but like I, I just love how it's like it's like a bite sized album in a way that like you can just put it on and it's enjoyable. Like it's I, I, that's what I, I I think that's what I really like about this is that there's so many layers of enjoyment that you can have on this that like just on the top it's just a it's just an interesting sounding like alternative hip hop album. You know, but then below that you have some really interesting production, you know, and then below that you have Aesop's lyrics that are just like I mean, he, he's always been, like, an insane lyricist. But, like, you know, I, I love the range here that, like, you know, he sort of takes that, um, like, he got very personal and sort of, well, like I said, like, much more opaque with his last album, The Impossible Kid. Mm-hmm. And I think he combines that with sort of the abstractness that he's known for, you know, in, in earlier albums. Um, you know, I, I think he... It's just a very, it's very well balanced. I think it's the best way to put this. Yeah, and and I think that, um, like, I've always really enjoyed Aesop Rock, but I also feel like on some of his longer albums, he does kind of use very similar flows. I feel like it's kind of how you feel about um, MF Doom. It's somewhat how yeah. I feel about Aesop. Is that after a while, it just kind of feels somewhat like. He's, um, and like he has really great flows. I like the ones, you know, he uses, but it, it does start to feel a little bit um, similar in that way. And also the fact that a lot of his lyrics aren't immediately um, attainable. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like, yeah, his longer albums to me have always been a little bit harder to stomach for that reason is that after a while you feel like there's just so much to unpack. Um, yeah, it's sort of like information overload. In a yeah, way. exactly. And, and in general, I think hip hop albums have started to become way too long. And this isn't even just yeah. you know. Obviously, we've had conversations about stream trolling and people just basically throwing on whatever they can to get on different you know curated playlists and whatnot. <laughs> there he goes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but like, even even you know, I don't say like normal rappers, but even. Um, like I guess you know more, more established or you know kind of more well regarded MCs are doing the same thing where like a hip hop album it just is a lot of information to process like just yeah. because you have you know the beats you have you know the lyrics the way they're rhyming you know there's there's, there's many more components that you could analyze versus other um, other styles of music uh, you know, that's not to yeah. say you have to to enjoy it but you can there's much more to analyze um, yeah, definitely. I, I would say that, you know, I my problem with Aesop's earlier work isn't really exactly sort of the lack of variety in his flows. It's more the album length. Like, Labor Days is like, I, I want to say like over an hour long. Um, You know, and even Impossible Kid gets a little long, I, I which is still, I, that's still my favorite of his. Uh, but like, even uh, None Shall Pass, like, I remember buying that album and I ended up selling it pretty soon because uh it was just so long that i just i I couldn't get through it in a way like in just in one sitting and that's what i really like to do is to be able to sit down and enjoy an album and like you know like if if, if i if i can't do that with a with an with a hip-hop album like like there's something up with that and not to say that you know um aesop's work is bad because i I really i have a huge respect for aesop rock um he's probably my favorite lyricist uh in hip-hop maybe just in music in general um but you know there's there's creating a song and then there's sort of knowing 
how to create an album. Mm -hmm. And I think those two aren't always mutually exclusive. And I feel like that's probably, of any genre, I think hip-hop is the hardest time with that. oh yeah be, be, um, because like i i feel like you know it's it, it's either you're doing like you know a 20 minute album like kanye or you're doing something that's just like half of it is all skits you know it, yeah, it just exactly. it, like nothing, nothing nothing feels like it adds up to something like solid like completely solid and i, I think that's what makes this album really good is because every track is just like like it's it like no holds barred, you know. There, there's it's not cut with something else weaker, you know. Like there, there aren't any stupid, you know, joke tracks or anything like that, you know. It, it's it's just it's enjoyable music that gets ridiculously funny sometimes, and then also ridiculously dark, you know. Yeah, and, um, and for, frankly, I feel like the, I guess your interpretation of how long or short an album is or feels really depends on what they accomplish in that time so you yeah. can have like you can have like a relatively short grindcore album but literally like all the songs are just not that interesting oh yeah, exactly and it's, and it's like that you know i i'm kind of bored at this point but you can you can also have um an album that is long but they introduce new ideas and it you know keeps you engaged the entire time oh, I, um, absolutely like um i like i was just listening to uh spawns to be kind this week and I mean that's that's a little over two hours long, and like I I sat through all of that and I enjoyed the fuck out of it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's a great. And game. then on the on the other hand, I can also sit through you know on Silent Death and find that to be a very enjoyable experience, despite the fact that it's like maybe eleven minutes long. Yeah, I think it like yeah. literally is like twelve minutes, which is pretty yeah, it, pretty it's insane, super short. But but again, like you said, it doesn't feel too short because it's just it's enjoyable and the way that they structure it, and especially you know the. Um, uh, I haven't listened to it for a while, but the last track's like you know four or five minutes long, and it feels like a good conclusion. Um, yeah, I think it, it, it's all you know. I think we, we've talked about this before with uh, our Bjork review some time ago now. That you know, it's sort of about density. Yes. That like, you know, depending on how dense your material is, you sort of have to you know call the track length, call the album length, depending on that density. So it's it's, it's sort of about finding that balance. And again. This finds a great balance, and uh, I, you know, I, I'm not going to say that this is a perfect album, uh, but I really enjoy this, and, you know, I, I can't wait to just spend the rest of the year listening to this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Totally agree. Uh, yeah. All right, so um, I guess we'll move on from there. Uh, so this is an album I'm really psyched about to talk about, uh, Barshaskat's self-titled album. Uh, for those who don't know... Uh, Barshaska is a uh, Scottish-based, Scotland-based uh, black metal band. With uh, and I was just actually just looking at this. If you look on their homepage, um, on the album, like this album page um, on Bandcamp, he uh, says that the the lead um, the lead dude who is a solo project by a guy by the name of Krigeist. Cry, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm gonna butcher that, but. He this other part is what's important. With the intention of creating pure black metal, intentionally free of genre cross pollination, essentially second wave black metal reimagined and reinterpreted through extensive use of layering and counterpoint. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's a great description. And just like I think that's you can feel that through his you know through these earlier albums. I actually I got started with Ophidian Hinosis, 
way back in 2015 that was actually the first black metal album that really really spoke to me like that was really the album that introduced me to black metal um and i it's still it's probably still my favorite black metal album um so you know after knowing about this and like i've been waiting i've been waiting for this thing for years now like it's 2019 ophidian hypnosis came out in 2015 so it's been four years and uh they've done like a split in between there but that's that's been about it and so they finally came out with this thing the self-titled album and i mean i am blown away by this thing i really like this thing um and you i so for those who don't know scott does a column on heavy blog called um oh sorry what what, the black metal one yeah um which one is that black metal monthly or whatever it's a cult cult column oh cult column i'm sorry it's basically it it was trying to be satirical about the whole you know cult yeah true and whatever yeah uh yeah and it's so scott and another editor of the blog you know usually go over the months um black metal releases and uh, i the you guys talked about this one um yeah i I wrote it up yeah yeah and i i found that to be a really really good uh you know reading of it you know i sort of that you know what they're doing is purposely not you know supposed to be experimental but it shows that strong like strong songwriting means everything yeah, and I think that the main thing that stuck out to me, and this is something I, I talked about in my review, is that something that um, a lot of, and, and this isn't necessarily a, a bad point for writers to make, but a lot of things that, uh, or something that modern metal writers do a lot is they talk about how it's just traditional black metal, like sometimes you need some no-frills black metal, um, and like you don't need anything fancy, and I think I feel like, I don't know if that's intended to be negative, Um but just to me, it, it the, does sound negative. But the way that I look at Barshevskov Bar- is that it's not um, like oh, sometimes you just need like a you know a straightforward iteration of the style. Like I feel like it's more than that. Like if he brings quite a bit to the table, um, he really uh, does the style in an incredibly interesting, intriguing way. Um, but it still feels like black metal to me. It's not like oh, sometimes you just want you know like sometimes I feel like. You know, sometimes you need a hamburger. Like, like I feel like that's kind of what uh, a parallel to what some of these writers are saying is. Like, sometimes you just need like a boring classic hamburger. And like, I feel like yeah. I feel like for me, Barshethika reminds me of why I like enjoy black metal in the first place. Um, it's not so much like I just I just want some classic black metal. I really like how Barshethika approaches the genre. It gives me something new um, to focus on with the style, and I like the way he structures it. I like the way he writes um, his songs. And it still is able to, you know, rekindle, you know, when I first listened to Mayhem, when I first listened to Dark Throne. Um, mm. It's just incredibly well done. Uh, and I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you first turned, you. Uh, turned me on to them. Because I remember I listened to the album you mentioned. Uh, Ophidian Hypnosis. Yeah, like quite yeah. a while ago. I don't remember um, it as well. But this album, yeah, it's one, one of my favorite black metal albums of the year so far. Um, and, and if by yeah. far, um, probably my favorite, just, you know, um, standard black metal, because, you know, a lot of my other favorites kind of are, um, you know, all over the map in terms of how they approach the genre. And this easily is just one of the best iterations of, you know, this is what black metal is. Um, yeah. I, I would say though, like you know, for those people that think this is sort of like no frills black metal, I, I sort of disagree, 
because I think there are frills here. It's just that it's, it's not it's not through taking some other genre and blending it with black metal, you know, or being like super experimental in its songwriting. It's you know it, it's it's through I mean it's through the songwriting that all these frills come about that you you hear there's stuff going on here that you don't hear a lot in black metal or at least mm-hmm. that that I I don't usually hear in a lot of modern black metal that I listen to that just like like it feels like the, there's there's you know a lot of thought going in to every single second of this album yeah and I think absolutely. that like yeah like I, I, so you know instead of you know, instead of people just saying, oh, this is no frills, like, standard black, like, I, I don't know, like, I I don't think it's that. Like, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't think the guys in this band would really care either way, because, I mean, considering that they're just, they're describing themselves like this, um, I don't think they would be offended. But at the same time, like, I, 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 I don't, I feel like that's doing them a disservice, because, like, the, you know, like, I feel like you could, you could just sort of, you, you could crap out, like, a black metal album pretty easily. Mm-hmm. In a way, and I feel like these guys could do that, but they didn't. They spent the last like four years working on this thing, you know. Mm-hmm. So like, there's a lot of time and effort and thought gone into this thing, and you know, you can hear it in every single second of this thing. That you know, sort of the way uh, the melody will sort of rise and fall. Like I was noticing this that you know, there's a lot of there, there's a few instances where like the melody, but it will take like this odd almost like major key turn mm-hmm. and have like these little it, it almost sounds like uplifting in a way uh, you know and then it sort of return back to that darkness now I, I always thought that was a really cool thing that I you know I I'm not gonna say that these are the only guys who do it because I would say like possibly there's some there's some early dark throne that's a little like this mm-hmm. but um, I, I really like how Barshaska does it in in their albums. Especially, like, I, I still remember, I think it was uh, the first track off of Ophidian Hinosis. Uh It has, like, this really interesting riff that almost, it, it almost feels like it's, like, stripped out of, like, a power metal album, in a way. Interesting. But, yeah, or at least, okay, so when it comes to the melodic parts of it, you know, because you still have that tremolo picking, but there's, like, there's sort of this, like I said, like, this, this upliftingness that, like, you know... Like, whenever I listen to a black metal, I always imagine myself sort of, you know, in the middle of, like, the Norwegian wilderness during the dead of winter. And just, like, <laughs> you know, just, like, snow just, like, basically just screwing you in the face. You just, like, just like you're going to die of hypothermia, basically. Mm. And I just think of, like, sort of the harsh of the wilderness and things like that. And then these are the kind of guys, like, 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 the, like that type of flurry of melody is sort of like you rising above that for a single second and seeing how beautiful the wilderness is around you. Mm-hmm. Like I, I love that. Like I think it's just like, like just when it comes to songcraft, this is just so unparalleled in a way because like like I think, you know, not even metal these days, but like it feels like you know a lot of music these days, you know, like sort of like innovation is supposedly coming from combining all these genres together. When you know, I, I which I'm, I'm not going to say that that isn't a way to do it, but I, I don't think it's the only way to do it because I, I mean, I, I think that there's so much you can do with like a standard rock sound if you just, you know, played around with your songwriting, mm-hmm. you know. So, like, and again, this, this is proof of that, you know, that you can, you can create a great album that doesn't have to be, you know, quote unquote experimental. 
you know, you can still just have it be just super good, super enjoyable. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm with you. This is this is definitely my favorite black metal album of the year so far. And I, I really, the, the way I listen to metal nowadays, this will probably end up being my favorite black metal album of the year. Because <laughs> I just don't, I, I feel like I try to listen to a lot of metal and like, or at least new metal or, you know what I mean? Not, not NU metal, but, uh, <laughs> um, but like a lot of it sort of falls flat for me. Um, you know, I would say like maybe one out of 10 albums get my attention. And, uh, so I feel like this one's still going to be with me at the end of the year. Um, I do hope that they put this out on CD though, because, um, I really want it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good reason. Yeah, no, I well, I so I actually I actually messaged them about that, um, about whether they had CDs available, like whether there's going to be a pre-order or anything, because I was like, because you know how you, usually when you announce an album, you have pre-orders ready to go. Yeah, that was not the case with this. The rollout on this album was very strange, in my opinion, and. Um, so I'm still waiting. You know, I'm still checking with their label to see if you know something is coming up. Uh, but you, I mean, you know, I, I think when it like it takes a while to make all those albums. So like like literally to just produce all these CDs. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, we'll see. But anyway, great album. I think it's worth checking out. Uh, you know, even if you're you know convinced that like Deaf Heaven you know is like the best black metal band on the planet or whatever like in you think that like you know traditional cult black metal is bullshit no you, you like give this thing a, give this thing a shot before you like blow down traditional black metal mm-hmm. absolutely so, yeah and now our peace day resistance which <laughs> i mean i am so fucking psyched to talk about this thing man yeah absolutely. Um, the new shushu album girl with basket of fruit like god um so we talked about the oh, the lead single for this thing which was uh scissors but you know with a bunch of asses in it and yeah how the the video is just batshit insane yeah <laughs> um and i i guess there's another video out for um pumpkin attack on mommy and daddy which it's a great great name for a, for a track um <laughs> <laughs> but you know so i I was really excited by this, uh, by the lead single of this album, and like, you know, I, I made this prediction. I don't know if I said this on this podcast, but I, I had the thought that this might be like Shushu's best album, um, or at least from what I've heard. Which, to be fair, I've only listened to what um, the Twin Peaks one, uh, Forget, Knife Play, A Promise, Air Force. Um, Oh, uh, what's what's the one with um, the cat? Oh, fabulous muscles, yeah. Mm. So, which I would say, which are are all probably their biggest to us to an extent. Mm-hmm. Um, and just just the sound of this thing was was just like the the single blew me away. And <laughs> listening to this thing on Friday, I had no idea what I got myself into. Yeah, <laughs> like what the. Fuck is going on with this album? Yeah, absolutely. Like you, you texted me. Well, I, I texted you on Friday, and I'm like, so you know, like not to spoil this, but like, 
to call this album eccentric would be like a, a serious understatement. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> like, like, like I, I don't know if you, like, how much did you listen to Forget? Oh, I listened to that quite a bit. I think it was it was probably one of my more listened to albums from uh, last year. So I don't know if you remember that the the well, it's from two thousand oh, from the year before. But, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, the title or not the title track, the first track on the album, uh, the call. It ends with like some dude. I, I don't know who it is. Just saying, like, um, just, 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 like, listing off all these, like, like slurs and epithets and just like naughty words, yeah. <laughs> basically. And um, I so like that 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 track sort of turned me off a little bit because it was so unlike the rest of the album. And I was now so the title track for this thing is also the opening track, um, and so I, I was like, what. Like, what is going on? Like with, with with this first track, like it just got just bizarre after a while. That's just like, like beyond, you know, like the potty mouth. It it's it's just like, <laughs> it just seems like it's purposely out to like offend people. Yeah, almost. It like so I was like, oh no, is this gonna be like forget all over again? No. It's not. No, not. It, <laughs> like, it's kind of been crazy that their last several albums have sounded like pretty much nothing like each other. I mean, you still yeah. have, you still have the core, um, like attitude and the the way that they approach songcraft. But, yeah, but, like, it, but like, yeah, you you have like that weird like sort of like electronic um, sort of buzz going on. You have Jamie Stewart's you know tortured vocals, but yeah, like this album is such a different, this is such a departure from what they've done before. You know. I feel like there's more like electronic elements here. A lot of like tribal sort of image, like imagery, just like you know all those drums and everything. Yeah. And sort of the the piecemeal way this thing feels like it, this this thing feels like thrown together. Like it doesn't feel written. It feels like they 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 made like a collage out of the songs and just sort of like just smushed it all together and be like, this is our album. <laughs> I mean, but, but but actually though, it, it really does feel yeah. like, like they went into saying, you know, let, let's just do whatever the hell we want. You know, let let's let's really bring whatever sounds and ideas to to, to the table that we can. And I think the result is is incredibly interesting. And oh yeah, when, when, when you text amazing, me, I um yeah, I really couldn't. I couldn't focus when I had this. You know, I usually listen to a lot yeah. of music at work, and I don't mean that. I know it sounds negative. I don't mean that in a bad way. It just it commanded my attention. Like it just it, it commanded my my focus. I really felt like I couldn't. I couldn't do it justice, and you know, frankly, it was just so overbearing. Again, yeah. in, in a good way. I know it doesn't really. Yeah, sound like, that way, well, I mean, like, like the, there, there's so many little like, I I, I sort of harken back to when we were talking about. Um, uh, into the Wu Tang, yeah, and I just sort of said that we could have like our own episode dedicated to just like all the little like funny verbal bits that show up in that album. You could have two episodes dedicated to the stuff in this album. Yeah, like, absolutely. Just let, like I'm, I'm, I think it's it comes out as a joke that it has something like oh like she's talking about her butthole, she's something with like with her butthole or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like what what the fuck is going on here? And uh, I, I'm look actually looking at the Wikipedia thing uh, with this thing. He said that um, I, I guess that the lyrics were it says uh, for this record lyrics were largely taken from the internal effects of internal events. Reflections, reflections to and explorations of other people's texts and other images, which 
actually makes a lot more sense with that context. Yeah. But still, it just looks so weird. It's very bizarre. Like, oh my god! But I, I, I say this is weird, but I mean, I love this album. Yeah. Like same. out of the three albums today, this is my favorite. Yeah. Like by far, like this could easily be the album of the year for me. Like I love this album that much. I, and it's just like it, it demands you listen to it, like and then re-listen to it, and then re-listen to it again. Yeah, absolutely. There's I just mean, because it, yeah. there's just so much fucking going on in this thing, and it, it, it's just like, you know, how there's really no other way of of parsing this out except for just sitting down, and just being like, just having like sort of an existential crisis and then turning it back on. Yeah, it, it's it's incredibly dense. Um, it's just it, 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 so many ideas uh, are brought to the table, both you know lyrically and especially musically. I really like. I don't know how much Thor Harris um, he you know is, is um, most famously collaborated on the most recent Swans albums. Um, I did not know that. Yeah, he was on Scissors. Oh, I know he was on Scissors because they they talked about it when that single was released. Um, yeah. Well, Thor Harris was was a big part of the band around the Forget era, and I think he's still with them. Yeah, so I, I, right, I feel I, I, all that to say, I feel like he has a, a presence throughout the album. It, this album felt very percussive. It felt very almost some industrial moments, or at least in the sense mm. of a very abrasive. And frankly, a lot of this reminded me of Death Grips a little bit. Um, yeah, I well, you know what's weird is like the, there are parts of this thing where like. I, I it, it reminded me of uh, Year of the Snitch. Yeah, just there's just in like like there was these like little background vocals that I I swore could have been MC Ride in the background. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. As I was listening to this, I was like, I don't know if this is a fair comparison, but this is it's it was one of the first things that came to mind, especially with you know the first track, and then you know the more I listened to that, and then that kind of put Scissors in context, and I was like, man, this really does sound, um, really does remind me of of like the, those really like chaotic aggressive uh death grips tracks um, yeah like to say it's it's it, you know we're, we're not talking about the genre that this sounds like we're talking about the songwriting yeah exactly specifically yeah, yeah. it's just like, like obviously maybe, this is not like abstract hip-hop or anything like yeah. that but just the actual production really mimics yeah. a lot of stuff that um i think zach ride has done or zach hill yeah zach hill zach ride it, mc ride uh so it's Zach Hill and MC Ride, yeah. There you go. <laughs> okay, that took me a second for some reason. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, God, I, I, I just, I, you know, you know what happens when you like when you like an album so much and you just sort of lose the ability to sort of talk about it in any critical context. Yeah. No, I, I totally get that. Yeah, like that's what this thing is. It's, it's just like. It just feels like a barrage, like a thirty-six minute barrage, of of just like anything Jamie Stewart has worked on in like the last year, just tossed at you, and and just like, you know, just with with, with like tons of naughty words and stuff all in between. <laughs> <laughs> like th- th- this thing, like, and I don't know if it was their intention, but this thing made me laugh a lot. With just like just some some of the stuff that like Jamie Stewart would just shout out, was it was just it made me laugh so hard. Yeah, it's um, it's it's very it's creative to say, say the least. I mean, I, re, I really yeah. do like. Um, 
Um, so just how fearless they. I think that's something that's been true of pretty much every Shushu album. But just they're so fearless. Like they're 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 willing to really do whatever uh, that comes to um, you know comes across their mind that will oh, en- yeah. enhance their their music, will enhance their songwriting. You know they they are not. Um, I don't think I've ever listened to a Shushu album and felt like I feel like they could be more weird. Like I feel like they could do more to it. But 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 yeah. but then then again, this comes on the heels of. Um, forget which sounded you know nothing like this like it, it was it had some of their poppiest catchiest songs in their career and now they come out with yeah. this absolutely bonkers album i think it, it's it's making me become more enamored with just you know what what they do as musicians the fact that they're able to, to so malleably put out um you know songs that definitely feel like they're from the shushu canon but just not um not quite from the same they're cut from the same cloth, but they're sewn with different thread. I guess if if, yeah. if I was to put it poetically, <laughs> I, I no, I I get that. That makes a lot of sense. I'm actually looking at this. Um, uh, no, I guess not. Um, it said that Chess Smith, uh, like, was a part of Shushu for a little bit. Who's a uh, drummer, sort of known yeah. for playing with Mr. Bungle, uh-huh. uh, and collaborating with John Zorn recently. Um, but I don't think he's on this thing. But it wouldn't surprise me if he was. Uh, I do want to talk about the the final track, Normal Love. Did you feel like this was sort of like out of place in a way? It, because it, it it was a very like somber, melodic song. I le- I feel like it would have felt more out of place if it was within the track listing. I think the yeah. fact it was the conclusion was kind of an um, it was a jarring touch in a different sense. Like the yeah. the mood it presented, you know, it was kind of. You know the, the entire album is jarring in the way that it, it um, <laughs> the music it presents, but I liked that this felt very um, like it gave you a mood that wasn't really um, you know wasn't really present throughout most of the album, but uh, it was kind of almost normal, and so yeah. it was almost like a, a their, their finest act of the album to to do something bizarre by doing something normal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I get you because like, see, I I felt like this could be like sort of a point of contention for some people because like I, I remember like um when we were reviewing Sophie's uh, debut that like that first track it's okay to cry which I I love I think it's a great track but I felt like that was a little bit of like whiplash because then you go from that then then you go to Pony Boy which is just like this disgusting amazing song mm-hmm. um you know. And it's sort of doing the opposite of that here. And so, like, you know, I, I was wondering whether that would work or not. And I, I actually, I mean, I agree with that. I think this really works. Um, the, the the thing is that there's so much going on here that I really think that it's, it's something you need to stay with a little bit. Because, like, I, I know, like, two minutes into Girl with Basket of Fruit, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like this or not. Uh-huh. Like... Yeah, it, it, but as it went on, it really, like, it really, really grew on me. But I think that's, like, you, you sort of have to, like, be willing to sit out for, like, you, you, need to, you need to sort of ride this one out, in a way, to, like, really get to what it has to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's really all I can say about this. Do you, you have any final thoughts on this thing? Uh, it really, if you're on the on the fence about it, um, and you, and you like Shushu, or even if you just like experimental music, um, I think it, it warrants 
at least two listens. Um, it's just yeah, it's, it has a lot to offer. If if not, um, anything that seems all that immediate or um, all that accessible, but yeah, it, de- I mean, it definitely. It, yeah. I think it warrants multiple listens. Um, definitely, I I would say this is not Shushu's most accessible by any means. Um, I would probably point to Fabulous Muscles um, as probably the best entry point, but you you know them a little more than I do. So I think Forget would be. I think Forget, like especially um, uh, yeah, w- w- Wondering Go Go. Yeah. Oh, like like the the Wondering. They yeah. like like that. That's like such. That's probably the one of their poppiest, you know, catchiest songs that they've they've released. Um, so I, I think that that might be a good way, but I mean, I think this is easily one of their most just pure, pure encapsulation of what they always have, have tried to do or just, just unadulterated, um, you know, weirdness. Yeah, weird. Exactly. Like just the, their personality yeah. unhinged. So, all right. Well, um, I guess we'll talk about albums of the week, but, um, I'll just be honest. My album of the week is 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 Shoo Shoo Girl with Basket of Fruit. <laughs> uh, I was trying to figure out what to pick out of all because I listened to a lot of stuff this week, and uh, like John Zorn's classic guide to strategy, like the the first two were on the other day, and like I, I I really ended up really digging that for like the first time ever. So I was going to talk about that maybe a little bit as like my album of the week, but like I I love the Shoo Shoo album way too much to. To like not say that, and I, I feel like that's sort of redundant and like kind of cheap to pick an album we just reviewed as like album of the week. But the, that's that's what it is for me. So <laughs> nice, yeah. I uh, yeah, I, I wanted to highlight something else I've been listening to. Yeah, a lot. Um, it's a self-titled album by Wandering Monster. Um, I. If you looked at the cover and the name of the band, you might get a very different um, idea of what this sounds like. But I was looking through Bandcamp's jazz, um, you know, new jazz releases uh, a few weeks ago at this point because I actually was anticipating this before it came out. Uh, I think late January, and it's just really, really smooth, well, you know, well composed, well produced, very groovy. Um, progressive jazz fusion um, just very very smooth catchy it almost feels like I don't know if, if you're super familiar it feels like a jazzier monobody or like almost like has some very very light math rock sensibilities in the sense of like the very uh, syncopated um, or the syncopation between the instruments uh, but it, it is very smooth and, and very um, very catchy I mean the, the the melody on the lead track Samsara which is what really um, grab my attention in the first place. Um, it's just so infectious, and it's just it's it's just a f- phenomenal piece of jazz that I'm I'm really excited to um, have just happened to stumble upon. And I'm also glad that I stumbled upon it in the context of that um, of Bandcamp's jazz section because really it's it does not look like a jazz album, but I'm, mm. I'm really glad that I, I gave it a shot, and it's become one of my favorite jazz albums of the year. Nice. So, would you? You described this thing as smooth, but like, do you remember that album Coast, that band Coast? Yeah. That so, would you think that this album is smoother than that, or? Um. 
Yeah, I feel like Coast was a bit, uh, in some ways, it was a little heavier, or at least it had a bit more of a backbone to it. Um, not like not really super robust, but still, it definitely had some some more heft yeah. to it. Well, I, I'm talking about like just like sort of production wise, because like w- when I when I think of jazz fusion, I think of like you know obviously like Mahavishnu, which you know like jazz fusion production can can sound can almost border on smooth jazz sometimes for me oh this definitely has a very contemporary kind of modern feel it's it's not like i feel like the performances and what they bring to the table and especially uh the tempo and the general energy that the performers have is definitely not like smooth jazz or anything like that um but just it does feel it's very melodic very um very i say more clean more cleanly produced might be a better way to put it in in the sense that yeah um it definitely feels composed. I mean, there's some great, uh, like the second track, uh, uh, "The Rush Begins," has a great, um, like uh, I think Rhodes sample. We can like oh, or, organ yeah. sample, or, or not not yeah, sample, but, but like Rhodes so, piano. So, solo. Yeah. Um, and it's really, really, uh, it's like good improvisation. It's not like you know free jazz or anything like that, but it definitely yeah. Um, has Did you ever? Free, yeah. Sorry, did you ever listen to uh, Cameron Graves' um, Planetary? Um, oh, I forgot what it was it Planetary Duality? No, no, that, that, that's that's <laughs> the, the faceless. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cameron Graves' Planetary Prince. That's what I'm thinking of. Um, I think yeah, I did. Did you ever listen to that when that came out? I think mm-hmm. I did. I th- and I think I liked it. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I like the way you're describing it sounds a little bit like that to me. But um, I, I I definitely want to check this thing out. So. Um. All right, I think that's it. <laughs> Great. That's it for today. Coming upon an hour, uh, just about. So, uh, guys, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. All right, take care. Bye. Bye.